0: Welcome into Outkick the show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. You might be looking at me and thinking, my God, I didn't think you could look better, but you do. Well, I've been down on the beach for the past two weeks. Lots of news to dive into, much to discuss. I appreciate all of you. Had an incredible time down in Florida for the past two weeks met a lot of OutKick fans lots of good news has emerged since I last spoke with you Biggest news at least in the world of what I do is uh, I have left my OutKick the Coverage morning radio show which I've been doing for the last six years and starting June 21st which is two weeks from today Alongside of Buck Sexton, I will be taking over arguably the biggest audience in all of media. Honestly, I don't even think that's a crazy way of putting it, potentially. The time slot, once occupied by Rush Limbaugh, we will be on hundreds and hundreds of stations from 12 to 3 Eastern, 11 to 2 Central, 10 to 1 mountain and 9 to noon on the West Coast wherever you are you should be easily able to find us sitting in front of a couple of golden microphones talking to the biggest audience in all of radio every single day is an opportunity I couldn't say no to. Uh, they came to me they pitched it for several months the idea uh, and ultimately the impact and influence that Buck Sexton and I can have in that time slot dwarfs anything we could do meaning myself and then part of the OutKick crew in Sports Talk Radio. It's just a different caliber and size of audience and it was one that I could not say no to. I will continue to do this show. I will be continuing to do Fox Bet Live. I will be continuing to run and manage OutKick really my day-to-day is not changing I just won't have to get up at 4.30 in the morning anymore uh, to do a morning radio show I'll be able to stay up every night and watch sports and have a somewhat normal life after six years of rolling out of bed in the 4 a.m. hour the time slot for this show may change somewhat I'm curious what you guys think whether you would prefer me do this in the morning so that if if you've gotten used to having a podcast to listen to me reacting to the morning's news stories because of the OutKick radio show uh, you could have that or whether doing the show right here at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central 2 Mountain and 1 Pacific makes the most sense I'm open to whatever ideas you guys have you can let me know uh, what you think about all of that but right off the top we have got a ton of stories I want to say thank you Uh, As a guy who started doing local radio uh, back in I believe it was 2007 or 2008 to ascend to the biggest job in all of radio is a a remarkable uh, career trajectory and I owe it to the fact that the audience has always had my back whether it was in local radio in Nashville when we had the highest rated local sports talk radio station anywhere in the country uh, and we had the highest show on that station. Uh, We blew it up in morning sports talk radio. We were the biggest morning sports talk radio show anywhere in the country. We could have continued with that growth. I appreciate all of you. Uh, And now we're going to have the biggest show in all of radio when you look at the overall audience metrics. Up to 20 million people a week listen to that time slot that Rush Limbaugh made so famous over the past 30 years. So I can't wait two weeks from today uh, we will have completed our first show. It's going to be exciting. I am staying in Nashville. I am not moving anywhere. Um, I can't wait to get going. It's going to be an awesome opportunity. But we got a lot of different stories to dive into and I want to start off right here with Julio to the Titans. Your boy here said it was going to happen. I said Julio Jones to the Titans for a second round pick. I have already booked my hotel. I am ready for the Titans to be in the Super Bowl. The Titans, I believe, in conjunction with Julio Jones and the moves they made on the defensive side of the ball are the third best team now in the AFC. Chiefs are going to be number one for years to come because of Patrick Mahomes. I think the Bills, based on what we saw from Josh Allen last year, second spot, Titans to me, slide into the third spot. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones and Derrick Henry best trio of playmakers anywhere in the NFL. Let me repeat that. Running back, Derrick Henry Julio Jones and A.J. Brown nobody has a better offensive trio in terms of making plays than those three. Also, Ryan Tannehill proved himself to me last season to be a top 10 caliber quarterback. When Matt Ryan had Julio Jones his passer rating was 20 points higher than when he did not. I think that defenses in the AFC and the NFC are going to have a real difficulty trying to figure out how do you handle these Titans. Can't double AJ and Julio. Do you play your safeties back and risk Derrick Henry at the age of 28 running rough shot and leading the league and rushing for a third straight year. Offensive line Taylor Lewan coming back healthy. This should be an improved offense. May need some help at tight end. We'll see whether the Titans end up making a move there. Defensive side of the ball. Can Bud Dupree get back to his uh, healthy status which he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, Can Caleb Farley be healthy at corner? If the answer is yes then the Titans with uh, a lot of talent coming back a lot of people coming off of injury should be substantially better on the defensive side of the ball but I love the move to think to yourself we got a couple of year window. Who knows how long that AJ uh, that that AJ Brown is going to be affordable, right? He's going to be in his third year. He'll be a free agent after his fourth year. I would expect after this upcoming season Titans will try to sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, you also have uh, right now Ryan Tannehill under a relatively affordable quarterback contract relatively affordable I say Derrick Henry still affordable still playing at an absolutely high level how long can he play at a high level? I think you have to swing for the Super Bowl fences when you get an opportunity to do so Titans just did it. I think Julio Jones for a second round pick you would hope that it's going to end up being a low second round pick, Right. Uh, because if the Titans do well advance into the playoffs and hopefully win a game or two I'd love for them to go to the Super Bowl you would like for that to be a relatively low pick 63-64 would be ideal because it means that you would have been in the Super Bowl when you consider that Mohamed Sanu to the New England Patriots the Patriots gave up a second round pick I think this is incredible value Julio arrived today I love everything about this move I was in the car driving back from Florida when my phone blew up with the news of Julio I love the Titans going for it I gotta be honest with you your boy now is nervous you know how when your team stinks you're like man I hope we might end up being decent when your team's actually good arguably it's way more nerve-wracking because you're afraid that somebody might get hurt or something might go awry because you don't need any craziness to happen. You just need everybody to stay healthy. We'll see whether the Titans can stay healthy. That's my biggest fear with Julio, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, all of the big-time playmakers on the Titans' offensive side of the ball. Props. Props are well-deserved for the U.S. men's soccer team which always lets us down those of you like me who enjoy rooting for the U.S. men's soccer team we have an incredible collection of young talent. They should be pretty good next year in the World Cup. They should be amazing in 2026 when the United States will be hosting the World Cup. But we need to make statements and win games that maybe we aren't expected to win and I thought we did that last night against Mexico. If you didn't watch it Christian Pulisic stepped up tied 2-2 and drilled up into the top right corner a perfect penalty kick that was completely unblockable. You cannot be more clutch than he was on that kick. But two different uh, corner kicks He served in perfectly that without Ochoa, I think is his name, the Mexican goalie making fantastic saves on, we would have another couple of goals there. I also love Pulisic in the center of the field, the degree to which he can turn a pass and immediately accelerate and attack. He is, I believe, and I don't want to jinx him here, I think he's the best soccer player that America has ever produced already. And he's still insanely young. But stepping up and making that shot was phenomenal. Also, want to give a shout out to Ethan Horvath the backup goalie who came in with about 65 minutes to play 65 minutes in uh, after the starting goalie was injured and made a phenomenal save on what I thought was a bad call to award a penalty kick on what I thought was an unintentional handball. Uh, but they went to VAR. They came back out. They ordered the, the penalty kick. Saved there. This was a phenomenal win. Now I want to talk about it. After Christian Pulisic made his shot to uh, to give the U.S. a 3-2 lead, he took his jersey off, went full shirtless, ran over into the corner and Mexican soccer fans, this game was being played in Denver, rained down. Bottles rained down. All sorts of uh, paraphernalia on the U.S. men's soccer team as they were celebrating including Gio Reyna getting hit with a full bottle of some sort right in the head if you zoomed in on it. Later, one of Mexico's players got hit after Pulisic was uh, tackled over near the other sideline. I bring this up for this reason. Russell Westbrook got popcorn poured poured on him and you would have thought that it was the craziest thing that had ever happened in a sporting event in America the way it was covered. Uh, Kyrie Irving got a bottle thrown at him and you would have thought it was absolute insanity the way that was covered. Look, I'm not defending fans throwing things at all. You should never do that in a sporting event. But, go watch the video of the U.S. men's soccer team getting deluged with cups, bottles, 50 or more of them thrown at them all throughout that game anytime they came near the sideline and ask yourself this why is Russell Westbrook getting popcorn poured on him? A bigger story than the U.S. men's soccer team getting absolutely deluged by refuse from the stadium. I'll tell you because Mexico is not the right group. Mexican soccer fans, they aren't the right villain, right? It wasn't just that, by the way. Mexican soccer fans also sang a homophobic chant that required the game to be stopped. I just want you to think about this for a minute. How would the sports media have covered U.S. men's soccer fans if they had been chanting a homophobic chant If they had been throwing things at Mexican soccer players it would have been examples of rampant racism and homophobia inside of American soccer. But when Mexico does it almost no one utters a word of criticism even though this is taking place inside of an American football stadium in Denver. To me This is what people get fired up about because I've been doing this for years and it's why my audience keeps growing. I want the same precedence to be applied. If you were furious about Russell Westbrook getting popcorn poured on him or Kyrie Irving getting a bottle thrown at him then you need to be even more angry over what we saw happen to the U.S. men's soccer team where players were legitimately getting hit in the head by throws from Mexican soccer fans yet you know what? Nary a word of criticism do you know why? Because criticizing the Mexican fans isn't the preferred narrative because people want to rip Americans to shred in particular white American sports fans they aren't the right villains. so I want you to just ask all the woke sports media out there that were up in arms over Russell Westbrook that were demanding charges be brought uh, against the guy who threw Kyrie Irving bot- the bottle at Kyrie Irving why isn't anybody saying the same thing about Mexico and their fans especially when it was far more dangerous to the U.S. men's soccer team inside of that stadium based on those projectiles than anything that happened ever inside of an NBA arena. I just want you to think about it I want the same standard applied but Major props to the U.S. men's soccer team for being tough for going out beating Mexico 3-2 Pulisic with the big goal also again I want to make sure I get his name right Ethan Horvath the backup goalie with a few remarkable fantastic saves nonetheless uh, in particular the penalty kick save late in the game that allowed the United States to avoid PKs to decide who won that game. Speaking of idiots um, and inconsistencies and uh, frankly racism our good friend Jamel Hill now at the Atlantic or wherever she is uh, she came out and said that West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin was racist that he was a white supremacist because he's not supporting a democratic overhaul of voting rights uh, a bill that the Democrats are trying to ram through. By the way it appears that Christian cinema in Arizona is also not supporting this they also do not support destroying the filibuster. Uh, Joe Manchin laid out his logic which by the way has been consistent for years and years whether the Democrats were in power or the Republicans were in power and I give him credit in a state that nearly 70% of people voted against Joe Biden no state was Joe Biden less popular in than West Virginia I give Joe Manchin credit because he is representing his constituents and I think he's recognizing what is the truth. A 50-50 Senate is not some massive mandate for all sorts of insanity to rain down from Joe Biden and the Democrats not to mention a tiny little lead in the House. I think what's going to happen and I think the Democrats know it is that in 2022 uh, the Republicans are going to win back the House likely win back the Senate and we're going to be set up for a battle over who's going to win in 2024 and ultimately the Democrats are trying to run through as much legislation as they can because they know that soon aka next year their ability to get almost anything through in an election year is going to change in a hurry and that by January of 2023 we are going to be sitting on a Republican majority I think in both the Senate and in the House. But this to me is emblematic of a larger, major issue that is going on right now. Let me explain what it is. It is fine if someone disagrees with one of my opinions or one of your opinions. I welcome debate and the marketplace of ideas and arguments about the right choice for our country or the right decision to make. I'm 100% in favor of a robust debate, right? It isn't a debate to say when someone disagrees with you hey, you are a racist you are a sexist you are a homophobe that's a personal attack. There are many reasons that Joe Manchin can support the idea of a filibuster remaining and also not believe that it makes sense to try and pass potentially an unconstitutional bill that federalizes all state election power. There are many different provisions of this bill that I believe would be overturned by the United States Supreme Court and also create more division and more festering tension in this country over voting. Okay? So there are many reasons you can support the decisions that Joe Manchin is making. The fact that Democrats like Jamel Hill have moved from calling Donald Trump a white supremacist to now calling one of their own senators a white supremacist is demonstrative of a larger issue and a fundamental failure of the Democratic Party. They consider disagreement to be a violation of their woke supremacy, right? They are woke supremacists. They want to call other people white supremacists. They are woke supremacists. And they believe that if you stand up to their woke uh, their woke cavalcade of demands, that you are racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever insult they want to make. They never attack the underlying position itself. We should debate ideas, not attack people. There's a big difference between those two, and that ties into another issue that I think continues to become a major uh, flashpoint in our society today. Did you see that on Friday? ESPN leaked the news that they were firing Kelly Stewart a friend of mine who was formerly at Turner we've done television together at Fox ESPN dumped her over nine-year-old tweets where she had been responding to sexist attacks leveled against her and used a gay slur against the people who are attacking her this was nine years ago she had disclosed it to Turner they had suspended her for 30 days ESPN either didn't do their research or they hoped nobody would notice and as soon as somebody started tweeting these random bots out there that sit around grabbing offensive things and trying to share them all over the place uh, they decided to fire Kelly. And this is indicative of what cancel culture represents. Look, there's a big difference between I disagree with you and make an argument for why you disagree with someone and I disagree with you and you aren't entitled to, to have that opinion and I am going to try to take your job. I am going to try to make you unemployable because of an opinion that you have had. To me, that is cancel culture. Arguing about differences of opinion is healthy. That's how a democracy should be. We should go head-to-head at loggerheads have robust debate with each other. But saying you don't have the right to your opinion is another level. And I think it ties in with so many different issues that are going on right now and I feel like this may need to be my next book but it directly ties in with Facebook deciding to ban Donald Trump for two years. They're banning Donald Trump for two years because they don't agree with his opinions. It's fine if Facebook as a corporation wants to have a difference of opinion with Donald Trump, okay? What is not fine in my opinion is banning the democratically elected President of the United States from being able to speak to his public. In fact, people should be able to hear more of what politicians are saying not less because that enables them to be the best informed that they can be in terms of who they are going to vote for. And so, we are in the middle of a great silencing of a woke supremacy movement that believes that their ideas are so much better than yours that you aren't entitled to even speak out and say what you believe. This to me is the very antithesis of everything that I support, right? I don't consider myself to be rabidly political in one direction or another or any direction at all for that matter. What I believe in is the primacy of debate and I find it far more terrifying that the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams of the world and more can collude and ban the Democratic elected President of the United States, Donald Trump far more than I do anything that any American politician could ever say. Okay? This is a big deal. Facebook is getting it wrong. Social media companies are getting it wrong. Big tech companies are getting it wrong. They have allowed the woke supremacy movement to overtake their ability to to treat all speech the same regardless of the content that it represents. This is a big deal. And some people out there like they're private companies they can do whatever they want. Well, first of all, no, they can't. All right. They are subject to antitrust law. They are subject to many different federal laws. All right. So this idea that there's this idea on social media like, if you don't like it then you, you can leave. Private companies can do whatever they can. No, they can't. And they specifically should be held accountable when they are colluding and when they are effectively creating a backdoor version of what China has done. China has the great internet wall which doesn't allow for people to be able to experience the full fruition of the internet. Our tech companies are creating it in America. We would never be okay with the United States government saying Facebook can't have Donald Trump on there. Well if all of these big tech companies are reaching the same result in collusion I believe frequently with the United States government well how is that any different? If the end result is the same what I believe is going on is we have got far too much power collected in far too few individuals in big tech and so many of them are afraid of the woke supremacists that they won't say a word against them and they won't even allow a battle of ideas to be taking place. Uh, All right, I got a bunch of stuff, obviously, all uh, loaded up here uh, that I want to make sure that I dive into. But first, I've got to tell you uh, there are a lot of different things we can dive into. But I want to start with my friends at My Doctor Hank right now. Erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men. It doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017, My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. This is one of the all-time great taglines. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. They secure your prescription and then ship it to you discreetly every month from USA Pharmacies all for as low as $2 a pill. So don't wait join the movement to make America hard again go to mydoctorhankcom clay and sign up today tell Dr. Hank I sent you and he will give you 50% off your first subscription order that's mydoctorhankcom clay offer available for a limited time I appreciate all of you by the way hanging out with us we are never available for a limited time uh, but You thought maybe Nick Saban was one day going to leave maybe it's never going to happen. News today came out uh, Alabama extended Nick Saban until 2028. Nick Saban never going to leave the Crimson Tide. I believe the first year that Nick Saban coached at Alabama you guys can let me know if I'm wrong on this. I think it was 2007. I think I'm right about that. And if I'm right about that That means Nick Saban will have coached I believe 22 years if he were to finish all that time at Alabama. And here's the big story on Nick Saban. A lot of people have missed this. What Nick Saban has done is he has made Alabama into an elite academic institution. Guys, I don't think this gets enough attention. Over half of all students at the University of Alabama now come from outside of Alabama because they have become really a fairly elite state academic institution because so many people want to come to Alabama because of the dominance Nick Saban has put in place with the football team. This is the perfect example of sports as the front porch of a university. It used to be that the University of Alabama was an educational laughing stock in many ways relative to the rest of the nation. Now it has become one of the top state schools in the country because they are bringing in elite level academic talent not to mention elite level football talent Saban deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that. What he has accomplished at Alabama is I believe going to stand the test of time and be the greatest coaching job ever done by anyone in the history of college football before all is said and done. I wanted to talk about this for a moment. We had a big discussion about Naomi Osaka which I kind of was involved in on the periphery of because I was down at the beach with my family. To me, a lot of people focusing on the Naomi Osaka-related specifics in general. I wanted to talk about a broader picture here. What are we actually gaining now from athletes talking to the media? And I want you to think about this for a minute. When athletes started to refuse to stand for the National Anthem, the sports media almost uniformly supported the right of athletes not to stand for the national anthem even though contractually they were obligated to do so. But when athletes choose not to speak to the sports media even though they're contractually obligated to do so many out there in the sports media immediately lose their mind because their jobs are threatened. What do we actually gain in a social media era by and large from athlete interactions with the media in big public forums. I'm not sure we gain much at all honestly. And I understand why that requirement existed years and years ago when newspapers and television and radio helped to drive the interest for the sport. But when's the last time you heard an athlete say something at a press conference and you were more likely to watch that athletic event afterwards? It almost never happens. And so one of the things that I think is interesting is we're seeing a great disruption in the method by which athletes communicate with the larger audience. And also, we're seeing a tremendous devaluation in what used to be a big deal. Back in the day, if you went to the Super Bowl and you covered uh, the uh, NFL for, uh, for Denver or Houston or Miami or Minneapolis or Syracuse, New York or Oakland, California, you had a unique asset you were able to talk directly to the newsmakers yourself and you might well have been the only person that could bring what they said back to the audience through the newspaper. Maybe the radio, maybe the television. You were the conduit. Now, everyone instantaneously may be able to watch live on television the interview process in the press conference itself. I have seen it grow using SEC Media Days as an example to the point now where everything is immediately commoditized because so many people are all seeing the same thing happen. In other words, if there are a thousand people covering sports in a room and a coach says something interesting up on a rostrum, a thousand people are immediately tweeting that out. There is no value for that individual journalist unless he or she has amassed a monster audience and they are the only people who are getting retweeted for a story like that. The value comes when guys like Adam Schefter or Adrian Wojnarowski of that ilk break a story in their specific sport that otherwise other people do not have. And so what I would suggest to you is really the battle over Naomi Osaka is not about Naomi Osaka herself it's about how information gets distributed and who gets the value of that distribution. Athletes by and large now have the ability to cut out the media and go direct to their audience without needing the media to carry any of their story to the masses. That's really what to me the Naomi Osaka story is about more so than anything else. Speaking of uh, athletes taking their message direct to the public I love seeing the Lakers get rolled by the Phoenix Suns. I loved seeing LeBron James get humiliated. They made up this random rule out there only the last couple of years had I ever seen it the LeBron stands came out and said LeBron's never lost in the first round. Like since when have we ever talked about what somebody's record was in the first round? Well, now LeBron has lost in the first round and really he lost because Anthony Davis got hurt and the Lakers are a pinprick of the team that they would otherwise be if they don't have Anthony Davis. But LeBron was asked after the game what he thought and what did he do? He shut up and dribbled and started to speak in favor of Space Jam 2. And to me, this is a monster story. monster story even, maybe. LeBron is willing to shut up and dribble so that China will carry Space Jam 2. That's why he never says anything critical. Did you see John Cena come out and apologize for saying Taiwan is a country? Let me be straightforward. Taiwan is a country. And John Cena was so worried about whether the latest Fast and Furious franchise was going to be seen in all over China that he did basically one of those hostage videos where he apologized to the people of China for saying something that was true which is Taiwan which is a democratic island off the coast of China is not a part of China. They are a democratic republic. And we've already seen China take over in Hong Kong and basically disappear all Tiananmen Square celebrations of, uh, of democracy. There were almost no protests at all allowed in Hong Kong. And I think what we're trending towards is an invasion of Taiwan by China. And all of these people who are athletes that claim that they're so woke and they're so on the right side of history are carrying water for China LeBron, John Cena you could name a huge number of them lots of American companies too and effectively they are in business with a modern day Nazi republic that's what it is the closest thing to Nazism that exists in America today is China now some of you are going to say well that's fascism versus uh, versus communism well it's a big circle right totalitarianism ultimately meets fascism and uh, communism far right and far left ultimately meet in my opinion much of our political uh, calculus is a circle and it ends in totalitarianism if you are a uh, a fascist or if you are a communist. And so China is the closest thing to modern day Nazism in America today. Concentration camps uh, they, uh, they have no basic human freedoms they are uh, aggressively expanding their footprint trying to take over Hong Kong maybe going to take over the South China Sea as well as Taiwan soon and so this story is a big one as it pertains to the NBA and people get mad at me for constantly bringing it up but LeBron won't say he supports human rights in China or Hong Kong or he supports Taiwan's right to have democracy because he wants to make sure that Space Jam 2 is on in China and that they sell his jersey he should be ashamed of himself he fancies himself a modern day Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali would speak out against China he wouldn't shut up and dribble for Chairman Z LeBron is a fraud by the way these new shirts fund the police Uh, go grab them at OutKick we need to get our message out defunding the police the dumbest argument that has been made in the 21st century in America Uh, maybe other than COVID lockdowns and shutdowns being a good decision, uh, we need to go grab them uh, and defend our police as much as we possibly can. Uh, I didn't watch, because I was watching the U.S. men's soccer game against uh, Mexico, I didn't watch the Logan Paul-Floyd Mayweather fight, but I will say this. Logan Paul is 26 years old. He went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather and he has become a monster celebrity through dent of his own hard work. Whether it's smart or you like him or not the amount of people that care desperately about Logan Paul I don't even know whether I think this YouTube boxing craze is good or bad for boxing overall. My general belief is it's probably good because it gets younger kids aware that boxing is going on and you can grow them into fans of actual boxers as opposed to stunt boxers. I got to give Logan Paul... Props. He didn't get knocked out. He didn't get humiliated by Floyd Mayweather, and that might have been by design. And I know Floyd Mayweather made a ton of money, but I think a lot of people expected for Logan Paul to get destroyed. I think going eight rounds paid off at fifty to one. Now I wouldn't put it past Floyd Mayweather to have bet on the fight going eight rounds either. Uh, but I was impressed. What I was not impressed by the absurdity with John Rom. Did you guys see the memorial? John Rahm walked nine miles on Saturday, had posted a minus 18, had a six-stroke lead when they made the ridiculous decision to tell him outdoors on the green that he had tested positive for COVID. They did it for show. He was unhappy with that. Credit to Rom for his response. But look, here's the deal: the PGA should have allowed John Rom to play by himself. They should have allowed him to either carry his own bags or talked to his caddy who had already been exposed to him and given them the opportunity to go ahead and play he's asymptomatic he plays perfectly fine he walked nine miles that day had zero knowledge he was uh, had COVID at all he should have been able in my opinion to actually finish that round of golf it doesn't make any sense at all the way that they treated that scenario it is totally illogical uh, speaking of feeling great, I feel great right now. I'm back home in Nashville after two weeks in Florida. I missed my X chair. It's the best chair anywhere. We don't have an X chair down in Florida. I got a lot of great stuff at my place down in Rosemary Beach in Florida, but I don't have an X chair yet. And I missed it because they have dynamic variable lumbar heat massage therapy. It is the best chair out there. When you sit in a chair all day, I sat in a chair all day down at the beach. You know what? Wasn't as comfortable as my X chair they have heat and massage therapy it makes me feel better at the end of the day four massage modes fast warming heat technology and therapy you can get hooked up today because you can get a hundred dollars off if you go to xchairclay.com right now that's xchairclay.com that's the letter x chair c-l-a-y dot com or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort you can finance your purchase for as little As $30 a month, go to xchairclay.com right now and use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. That's xchairclay.com. Spent two weeks down in Florida. Want to give a prop to Ron DeSantis. I live in Tennessee. It feels completely normal here too. No masks. Nothing at all out of uh, normalcy in Florida. Went to go see a movie. Liked it. Uh, Went to go see A Quiet Place too. Took my oldest son. We had an amazing time. Went to Dave and Buster's a bunch of different times, and they had a Gulf Coast Jam big concert over 20,000 people. Uh, Ron DeSantis came out on the stage and said, "We are choosing freedom over Fauciism," and I give him credit for managing his state better than any governor other than Greg Abbott in Texas has managed their state. Florida is absolutely. Fantastic. I loved everything about our trip. Glad that I bought property down there several years ago. Added a new place, by the way. Uh, I've got one in Alice Beach now uh, that we're going to build which is going to be pretty phenomenal. If you haven't ever seen Alice Beach, uh, it's maybe the best place in all of uh, America but I love Rosemary too. Uh, the Fauci emails are out and I, am not, I shouldn't be surprised by this but the Fauci emails are out and guess what? The usual suspects are pretending to that they aren't significant. They are. The big story here is Facebook has swung from making a poor determination as to how COVID got out of the labs to now acknowledging oh wait a minute maybe it didn't spread from an animal to a human and instead escaped from a lab and oh by the way it looks like the evidence will support that it occurred due to gain of function research that is we biologically are creating more dangerous viruses and then that escaped and the United States it appears was providing tax dollars including the NIH distributing tax dollars which went to gain of function research from Fauci's own organization itself which means Fauci had many reasons to be lying about where this virus came from. And the evidence now overwhelmingly supports that there was a leak from a lab. I mean think about this for a minute. One of only two or three places in the world that is doing coronavirus bat gain of function research is in Wuhan, China. Right next to this uh, outdoor food mart. And they sold us on the idea that these bats which are nowhere near Wuhan somehow ended up at this food market and spread from animals to humans rather than the far more logical evidence which is inside of this not very well contained or secured lab there was gain of function research going on on bats and somehow or other that virus escaped there now is evidence that back I believe in November of 2019 multiple scientists inside of this virology lab tested positive for COVID-like substance and it appears that it escaped from the lab and then spread all over the world and China has tried to cover all of this up and many of China's compatriots in the media have done their best to pretend that there's no way this could have ever escaped from a lab. This is a major story and it deserves to receive an absolute massive amount of attention. I think we need a 9-11 style commission to investigate this bipartisan fashion and that Dr. Fauci needs to lose his job because he can no longer be trusted given the conflicts of interest that are readily apparent for him in this larger uh, universe of the virus. Uh, Alright, want to tell you all about my friends at Manscaped. Manscaped will hook you up. Father's Day's coming. Weather's getting hot. You know what you need? Whether you have a dad bod, that's me, or you're rocking a six pack, hopefully that's some of you guys, you need to make sure that you and your dad are taking care of your most crowned jewels. And the Manscaped 4.0 Fabulous here. And the brand new lawnmower 4.0, sorry, the lawnmower 4.0, as well as this great package, the ultra smooth package. Get hooked up now. Don't make a disastrous decision with your crown jewels by using the wrong product. The Manscaped 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go. You can use it in a shower. You can get hooked up and make the right decision so that you don't look like an absolute terrifying jungle below your waist. You don't want to smell funky you want to be clean and you can get hooked up right now with all of this fabulous product. All you have to do to get 20% off and make your crown jewels as safe as they possibly can is go to manscaped.com use the code DBAP20 your balls will thank you. That's manscaped.com. The code is DBAP20. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DBAP20. Don't forget, you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love. Father's Day. Manscaped.com, DBAP20. Hook dad up and make sure that he isn't a disaster below the belt. Finally, uh, Arch Manning out at Clemson. My prediction for where Arch Manning is going to go play football. I think it's going to come down to three schools. Alright. Arch Manning by the way, the nephew of Peyton and Eli, the son of Cooper, going to be a rising junior, one of the most sought-after quarterback recruits before all is said and done of all time. I think he's going to go to one of three schools. I think he's going to go to LSU, Texas, or Clemson. Those are my three favorites right now for where Arch Manning is going to go. He was at Clemson over the weekend and I am told that he looked absolutely unbelievably stellar. Arch Manning at Clemson I think it comes down to Clemson, Texas Steve Sarkeesian I think the Manning family will like or that he will end up at LSU maybe Georgia on the outside those are the programs that I would see say are the most likely to snag the talents of Arch Manning. Alright, long show today I had a lot to catch up with I appreciate all of you DBAP unless you need to SBAP by the way lots of new talent additions coming to OutKick throughout the course of the summer. I appreciate all of you and all of the support you have shown for us over the years. I got television in 20 minutes. New radio show starts in two weeks. This has been Outkick the Show. Your fearless leader is back in the saddle. I'll be up in New York City, by the way, on Thursday and Friday doing more TV for Fox News. I was on Fox News earlier today. You'll probably be seeing me all over Fox News in the days, weeks, and months ahead. This has been Outkick the Show.